Com. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 p.m. today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Uh, looking for Dick Butkus, but we'll uh, continue to wait for him to arrive at the table. In the meantime, let's reset the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with, of course, what we're all here for, Super Bowl 57, the Chiefs and the Eagles. It finally gets played on Sunday from State Farm Stadium. So who wins Super Bowl 57, the Chiefs or the Eagles? Corey, what do you have leading right now very similar to last hour well actually update right here 60 percent now for the eagles 40 percent chiefs so chiefs starting to slip down a little bit on twitter at kdus am 1060 which unit has the advantage on sunday chiefs offense or eagles defense Corey early returns leading again chiefs offense 66.7 percent of the vote eagles defense behind 33.3 percent on kdus am 1060 on twitter and, of course, we will answer that question uh, a little bit later on today, around 12.30 or so. Uh, let's get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2023 announced. Uh, Rondé Barber, he's in. Uh, he played 16 seasons from 1997 to 2002 with the Buccaneers. Uh, he's been a Hall of Fame finalist for three years, and this is his sixth year of eligibility. He ended his career with 47 regular season interceptions. Obviously, uh, you know, a guy on a championship team with Tampa and uh, was a you know really key part of their defense. Needless to say, so uh, case can certainly be made for him, and a pretty good case, I guess. I'm actually a little surprised it took. I know that the quote competition might have been a little tougher the last couple of years, and maybe that's why he didn't get in prior to this. But uh, yeah, hard to quibble that he's in. Uh, and then another person here, and we had talked about him at, at length earlier in the process, Don Coriel, 14 seasons yeah. as a coach, Hall of Fame finalist for seven years, years of eligibility, 36. I did want to make sure that I got this in here. There was a quote from Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell in a statement. Mm-hmm. Don Coriel was a leader, an innovator, and truly deserving of enshrinement in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. His impact on the sport was profound, particularly in revolution the passing game that is so prolific today. As a head coach, he led one of the most successful and exciting periods of Cardinals football. Coach Coriel will always have a special place in our organization's history, and now he will forever have a place in Canton among the game's all-time greats as well. So that's Don Coriel getting in. Yeah, Michael's stealing my stuff there. Uh, Innovator and things like that for sure. Yeah, obviously back with the Chargers. Um, If if you were a football fan in the 80s of the Chargers with Dan Fouts and that group towards the end of the decade, and, and, you know, Jefferson uh, used to play at ASU, of course, wide receiver. Uh, You know, he was – they were ahead of their time. And I'm sure that there are some things that are still being done today in the passing days of the NFL that were either stolen or just kind of modified from the – from back in those days in San Diego and St. Louis with Coriel. In addition to that, you had uh, Chuck Howley getting in 15 seasons, 1958 to 1959 with the Bears, 1961 to 1973 with the Cowboys from the linebacker position. Hall of Fame finalist first year, year of eligibility, though, the 40, 45. Yeah, uh, I believe Super Bowl MVP one year in one of those uh, Dallas championship uh, you know, years of uh, the early 70s or so, somewhere in that ballpark. 
Uh, yeah, definitely uh, the linebacker position was played a whole lot differently then than it is now. You had to you know, be a, a pass cover guy more than uh, most linebackers do now, but uh, certainly uh, stood out during his time. Uh, then you also had Joe Klecko, 12 seasons, 1977 to 1987 with the Jets, 1988 with the Colts, defensive end position, Hall of Fame finalist first year, year of eligibility, 30. Yeah, New York Sack Exchange, uh, part of that group. And uh, I never really quite figured out how to differentiate those guys because they were kind of known as a group. And I'm not sure if you know one was that much better than the others, but uh, so he's in. Uh, then you also have this guy playing the cornerback position, Revis Island. Darrell Revis, 11 seasons, 2007 to 2012 with the Jets, 2013 with the Bucks, 2014 with the Patriots, back to the Jets for 2015-2016, and finishing his career with the Chiefs in 2017. Hall of Fame finalist, first year, year of eligibility, first year, uh, 29 career interceptions and 139 passes defended. Yeah, one of the great hard knocks, uh, you know, not necessarily scenes, but scenarios, uh, you know, back in the preseason hard knocks days uh, with the Jets and uh, him finalizing his contract. If I remember correctly, it was in some like diner in New Jersey uh, where they actually signed the deal. And uh, and uh, you can probably talk about him as much as I can, certainly uh, with your love for the Patriots and Revis certainly contributed and helped them. That was uh, an all-time perfect uh, pickup for uh, the Patriots that season, but he seemed to not really enjoy playing for the Patriots. <laughs> As some have had some issues with in the past. Uh, Ken Riley, he's next to getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 15 seasons, 1969-1983, Bengals cornerback, Hall of Fame finalist, first year, year of eligibility, 35. Yeah, actually, I lived in Ohio for one year of the Bengals, and then our parents moved to Tucson, but Ken Riley was uh, one of the uh, original members. I think he was one of the original members, if I'm not mistaken, of the Bengals in the late 60s, and uh, and uh, he was a playmaker for sure. Uh, then you had uh, Joe Thomas here, 11 seasons, 2007 to 2017, Browns offensive tackle, Hall of Fame finalist, year of eligibility, first year. Uh, certainly this is a first ballot Hall of Famer playing the offensive line position. Yeah, and the fact that uh, this I think just shows how dominant he was as a player because obviously he played for the Browns his whole career and uh, uh, for the majority of his career. I'm not sure. If, I don't think he left the Browns at the end there. Uh, but, I did, uh, no, he didn't. Okay, it's not like they were any good. <laughs> and he still got that much attention and deservingly so, and he is one of the best tackles of uh, my lifetime and my lifetime spans a lot of years. Now, this one I'm a bit confused about, so maybe you can help me and uh, clear up that confusion. Uh, Zach Thomas, 13 seasons, 1996 to 2007 with the Dolphins, 2008 with the Cowboys, Hall of Fame finalist, four years, year of eligibility, 10 from the linebacker position. Yeah, this is the first one I really kind of, uh, I wouldn't say totally disagree with, but I don't quite get it. I thought he was a, a good player. I think he was on defenses where he had an opportunity to accumulate a lot of tackles and stats, but uh, never when I watched him, we used to, I used to argue this on back in my syndicated days back in Chicago and in, in Las Vegas uh, about uh, how actually good of a player he was. 
Uh, then you had the final person making it, DeMarcus Ware, 12 seasons, 2005 to 2013 with the Cowboys, 2014 to 2016 with the Broncos, Hall of Fame finalist, uh, second year, year of eligibility, second year, 138 and a half sacks. I'm surprised he wasn't a first ballot. Yeah, the other thing, I think the fact that you know, what he did with also, you know, didn't necessarily, certainly, obviously he's known with his career with the Cowboys, but, you know, when he went on and helped the Broncos, and I think the fact that he had kind of a second act, so to speak, I think that that uh, increased his chances of uh, you know, getting into the Hall of Fame. So that concludes the Hall of Fame class for 2023 in the pro football side of things. Once again, Friday spread brought to you by Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The weekend specials, 45-day dry-aged choice tomahawk rib steak at $24.99 a pound. Vaughn Hansen's own Philly cheesesteak brats at $5.99 a pound. Jumbo fresh all-natural party-style chicken wings at $4.99 a pound. As we transition here a little bit to the Phoenix Suns, uh, so we know it's made official here that Kevin Durant is coming to Phoenix. We know it's been made official. TJ Warren is also coming to Phoenix. Dario Saric has been traded to the Thunder in return for Darius Baisley. Uh, last night, they did have to play a game against the Hawks. They only had nine players out there playing, and they did, uh, in fact, lose to the Hawks 116-107. Uh, to 107. Eight-point underdog lost by nine, and actually they scored some points there at the end to make it look close. The starting lineup last night was Torrey Craig, Jock Landell, DeAndre Ayton, uh, uh, Damian Lee, and also Chris Paul. I don't quite get why Paul played 33 minutes in this game, and part of that was chasing around Trey Young, who ended up with 36 points. It's a, the Suns played the second of a back-to-back tonight. Uh, obviously, Booker didn't play because they're, no, they're restricting his minutes and trying to avoid the back-to-backs as he comes back. DeAndre Ayton had 15 field goal attempts last night. He made 10. Good for him because once Booker and Durant are playing on a regular basis, I think he's seldom that he won't get nearly that many touches or field goal attempts. But 15 last night and. Uh, so the Suns ended up losing, and I think that was probably expected considering the circumstances. Absolutely. It has to be a little bit of an emotional letdown as well. I mean, you've you've been with Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson for as long as you have, and just to kind of have to go through all of that and, and the way that everything unfolded, possibly some excitement for KD, but also just that that's your guy. Those are your guys. So there is an emotional letdown with that. Yeah, we'll see what happens. The Suns are being mentioned for some players in the buyout market here, which is going to start officially uh, very soon. Uh, It may actually start in the next day or two. I'm not sure how all those rules work, uh, but we'll see what happens with that. Tonight they end up, uh, they conclude this five-game, eight-day trip, of which they're 3-1 and at this point. They play at Indiana tonight. That's right, 5 p.m. on Bally Sports Arizona. Devin Booker is expected to return tonight, as you mentioned. On the other side of the break, we will be joined by Lewis Riddick, uh, ESPN talent. He does a plethora of things for ESPN, so looking forward to the conversation with Lewis. It is The Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 Live from Radio Row on this Friday, February 10th. to bring KDUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa? Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KDUS AM 1060 skill and enable. And say, Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. 
Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS1060.com. We're live here at Super Bowl Radio Row and we're joined by Lewis Riddick with ESPN. Lewis, it's Bob and Kayla. How are you enjoying your experience here so far? No, this is great. This is the first time I've been on, on Radio Row. Uh, I wanted to experience it. I wanted to see how it was like, what it was like, and it's been great. It's been great. This has been a... I mean, Phoenix is a great place to have a Super Bowl, for sure. We agree. Yeah. Uh, but you are have such an extensive background, and so trying to narrow this down to a 15-minute conversation <laughs> is hard. But let's uh-huh. just start with roster construction here. Yeah. Uh, and I want to get your take on the two teams playing in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs and the Eagles. Sure. The Chiefs are currently operating with their star quarterback, who has the big contract. All the rookies now are contributing. The Eagles, they have Jalen Hurts. He's still on his rookie deal. They have a mix of free agents, vets, homegrown players, mm-hmm. All contributing. Mm-hmm. So what do you see as most important pieces for roster construction to make a great team, to make a competitive team? Yeah, I think, you know, outside of quarterback, obviously, which we know, you know, you need a dynamic playmaker who's also one of your best players who can, who really who, who can inspire the rest of your team to be good professionals. I mean, outside of that, which is, I don't want to just dismiss that part because we could talk about that for 15 minutes, for 15 hours. I think from there, I think what you see with both of these teams is you have to be strong in the trenches along the lines to make sure that you can win the battle along the line of scrimmage, especially at this time of year. You've seen how Philadelphia has really just bullied teams once they've gotten into the playoffs. Their front five on their offensive line is probably one of the best you've seen in a long time. Jason Kelsey is playing maybe some of the best football at offensive center as I've ever seen, ever. And I've watched a lot of football. He, he looks as good as, as, as any, offensive line, any offensive center has ever looked. Kansas City's kind of the same way, one through five. These two teams, depending upon who you ask, you would say these are the top two offensive lines in the league. It's not a surprise that they're here in this, in this game. So you have to be able to have that. You have to have guys who can rush the passer. That's the only way to slow down most quarterbacks in the NFL right now because of the way the rules are. We all know that. Philadelphia rushes the passer better than any team in the NFL in mass. Hassan Reddick is an absolute turnover machine. Chris Jones is the most dominant interior rusher not named Aaron Donald in the NFL. Chris Jones can also wreck your game from a run defense standpoint. It's not a shock that these two teams are here when you have those kind of components. Um, Both of these teams can score points because they have playmakers who can break the game open. So you need to be able to win the line of scrimmage, rush the passer, have a great quarterback, have playmakers who can just flip the game on its head with one play. They have that. So you got you got that that to me right there kind of sums up why these two teams are here. And then we haven't really even talked about really what is probably I don't want to say it's the most important thing, but we all know that coaching matters and it matters greatly. And Andy Reid's gonna go down as one of the greatest of all time. And Nick Sirianni is making people look real dumb for like <laughs> laughing at him at his first press conference the way people did. You're right there. Yeah. Needless to say, the league has changed a lot over the years. With your background as a player, scout, executive, and so forth, how's the game changed the most for front offices, defensive coaches, and defensive players? Um, I think for front offices, it's the the game. The game has changed in this way. So going back to the early two thousands. Right, so back then, I think that the type of players on the defensive side of the ball in particular that you looked for has changed. The days of the big physical 
type of safety who wasn't able to really play in space, who wasn't able to be a multi-dimensional type of guy, are gone. You have to have guys who are three down, almost positionless type of players, a guy who could play free safety, strong safety, play the nickel position, play the dime linebacker position. You know, I think of guys like Derwin James. You have to have those kind of guys at the very least on the defensive side of the football. So you have to look for those kind of guys. The days of the two-down stack linebacker are gone. You have to have guys who can play in space and cover tight ends like Travis Kelsey, cover tight ends like Dallas Goddard. That has changed. So the profile of players that you're looking for has changed. The amount of data that you have at your disposal with which to analyze players now has changed. There's a lot more that can allow you to make informed decisions much faster at your disposal now than there was then. So really, I think, quite honestly, um, the way in which you are evaluated as a scout or a front office person, or rather the time at which you're given to like build a championship caliber team has really shrunk because of the amount of resources at your disposal now. And I, and I get that. I get it. Even though I'm not one of those people who's a fan of hyper analysis and you know, kind of rushing the judgment, I understand why the clock has been sped up. At this, at this day and age. It's because of all the information at your disposal, how quickly you can flip a team on its head and go from worst to first, just like you're seeing happen down in Jacksonville. You saw that happen in Cincinnati with Joe Burr. I mean, things have sped up dramatically because of everything at your disposal. And uh, I wouldn't say the game is easier to scout now than it was then. I think the game in many ways is easier to play for, for on the offensive side of the football than it ever has been. It's much tougher to play on the defensive side of the football. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a number of different things that have changed since the early 2000s when I was scouting and, and for sure since the 1990s when I was playing. He's Lewis Riddick with ESPN here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. You mentioned, you know, all the data points, but sometimes it still comes down to that it factor sure when it comes to trying to figure out what that it is for Patrick Mahomes and now with Jalen Hurts's emergence mm-hmm. this year do we have a, an ability to say that's it that's what makes them great um I'm sure that sports psychologists would tell you I know what it is or I know what it is or I I, I, I would just say this I think it comes down to and I, I've always leaned on this um the intangible part of the game, the football character part of the game, um, really comes down to three things when you're talking about the it factor. How credible a guy is, how trustworthy he is. That's kind of like what credibility really refers to. How competent, obviously, he is at his job as far as his, his physical and mental skills to perform the task. And then how, like, how does he, what kind of track record does he have at impacting others positively? That's the kind of stuff, when you combine them together, that's really the it factor. When you look at Jalen Hurts and you look at Patrick, both of those have those three things. Those guys are, for Patrick Mahomes in particular, I'm I'm just thinking about because I was just with him yesterday talking to him. The players on the team revere him, trust him, know that he's the dude, that what he says he's going to do, he's going to do, and what he wants you to do, you better do it. And they respect him that way. They know that he's competent. They've, they've seen all the no-look passes, left-handed passes, behind the back, whatever that is. The positive impact that he has on others, just look at this year in particular. He comes back. He has one wide receiver returning for 2022 that was in the wide receiver room in 2021, that being McCole Hardman, who doesn't really play a big role this year. Everyone else is new. Marquez Valdez-Scanling all of a sudden leaves Green Bay and becomes like a go-to guy for them. Sky Moore, the rookie, comes in and eventually becomes a go-to guy. Juju Smith-Schuster becomes a go-to guy. Isaiah Pacheco, the seventh founder out of Rutgers, 
No one wanted him. He becomes a go-to guy as a dual-threat runner-receiver. Jarek McKinnon becomes a go-to guy. This is all the Patrick Mahomes effect. Guys don't want to let them down. You know what? When, when, no matter what the industry is, I don't care if it's football, baseball, if it's radio, TV, whatever it is, people who make other people want to be better and do extra work to try and be better because they want to match that level, those, that's the factor we're talking about. The people who inspire other people to raise their level, and that is something, look, that's not a football thing. That's a, that's a human thing that I think we all um, probably should aspire to have, right? Things would be a lot easier in this world, wouldn't they, if, if everybody kind of had that <laughs> mindset. Definitely. So yep. the, the Eagles' defense, you know, what are the biggest challenges, so to speak? How do they try to match up against Mahomes and slow down the Chiefs' offense? Yeah, it's just it's all about pressure. It's all about making Patrick uncomfortable. It's about getting after him, testing that ankle, making him have to move, and making him have to move a lot. And sometimes it'll be simply because they beat their guy one-on-one and they have one of the best pass rushing fronts in the NFL and they'll be able to win their one-on-ones. Sometimes it's going to be because the secondary, they're going to have to tell their secondary, hey, look, we're not going to win every single time up front here. As far as pass block win rate, this is the number one team in the NFL, their offensive line in Kansas City. So as good as Hassan Reddick is, it's not going to always work out well for him. So the secondary has to play great too. The key is making sure Patrick is uncomfortable. Make him second-guess himself. Make him double-clutch the ball. Make him start getting out of sorts and thinking, I got to force something here and make a play. Make him somehow, some way feel like he's in panic mode. That's where Patrick's got in trouble in the past. The problem is... The reason why he got in trouble, they kind of fixed it this year. They, he got in trouble in the past because he was always trying to get the ball to either Tyreek or Kelsey. And when he couldn't get it to those two, he even said, I would get out of sorts. This year, I think they have 11, is it 11 guys, 10 guys who have caught over 20 passes. So you don't know who the hell he's going to throw it to. So good luck getting him out of sorts. As somebody trying to figure out the prop market, yeah, who is he throwing the ball to? Uh, that's yeah. the voice there of Lewis Riddick with ESPN. And flipping this on to the Eagles side of things, we haven't seen Jalen Hurts need to throw the ball a bunch here in the playoffs. They've mm-hmm. been getting it done other ways and maybe can throw out the NFC Championship game for what happened there. But what do we think about his shoulder injury and what do we think about that offense being able to kind of slow down that interior pressure that you mentioned about Chris Jones to make their offense effective? Yeah, I think that's... That's, that's exactly where they want to live, so to speak, which is let's lean on what our strength is. That starting group of five, let's go ahead and test Kansas City up front because we've pretty much dominated everybody. So, look, we know we have to take care of number 95, that being Chris Jones, but we need to run this football with Miles Sanders. We need to run this football with Kenny Gamewell. We need to take judicious opportunities at running Jalen Hurts, but we need him to finish the game. So let's not go out there trying to prove something we don't need to prove and have him taking big-time shots from Nick Bolton and the guys on the Kansas City defense. That's what they need to do first. From there, the RPO game will start to work. The play-action passing game will start to work. The quarterback design runs will start to work because they really have have an offense that has answers for everything you do. They can play however they want or however you want to make them play. Load up and stop the run. Put 10 guys in the line of, at the line of scrimmage if you want. We're going to throw it to A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. The Sit Chiefs, back and say we're going I'm to keep sorry. the top on the defense and not let you burn us with plus 20-yard shots. Go light box on us and watch what happens. 
Bobble, this will be the last one here, and I'll give it to you. Lewis Witterick, ESPN. Uh, what do you think happens here? Final final thoughts on the game. Oh, well, you know, well, since I'm calling the game for international, I'm not going to make a prediction here, but I will say this. I think Patrick's going to have to be special Patrick. At some point in time, he's going to have to do one of those things that we all sit there and re retweet and – it's going to be trending. It's turned into one of those crazy plays. They're going to need to make sure he stays upright, which means they're going to have to run the football a little bit. They're going to need to turn the football over, make Philadelphia turn it over, because that's only that's been the only recipe for success against Philly this year is when you win the turnover battle. If you don't, you're probably going to lose to them. What does that mean for Philly? It means they just need to do what they've been doing, protect the football, be the multidimensional team that they are, play good defense and they'll have a good shot at winning the game. I think the onus is going to be on Kansas City to do those certain things in order for them to win. He's Lewis Riddick, voice of ESPN. He did mention he is calling the game Super Bowl 57, and it'll be heard in Australia yeah. and New Zealand. And, of course, we get to hear him all the time on ESPN. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thank you. Once again, that was Lewis Riddick with ESPN, and boy, was he uh, just captivating to listen to. That was a great yeah. interview. I wish we had, like, an hour with him. That's true. We got to work on that. <laughs> so uh, yes. he's kind of a busy dude. Uh, you know, there are a few people on television that I respect their opinion more than him, and that's something we've talked about you know, from time to time in the last uh, two, three years on this show. Seeing it from a couple of different places here, Dan Graziano of ESPN, as well as Jordan Schultz reporting here. Former Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury, he's made his way back from Thailand, and he's in Houston <laughs> today meeting with the Texans for their open offensive coordinator position. Uh, Schultz's report here goes on to say that Ryan's uh, has a good relationship with Kingsbury, as well mm -hmm. as Nick Casario, the general manager dating back to their time in New England together. So we'll get into that a little bit um, as the show continues on as we're waiting for Sam Ocho to join us here on KDOS AM 1060 live from Super Bowl Radio Row. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS1060.com. If you missed the news earlier this week, there is now a KDOS AM 1060 app. Android users, you're coming soon. Apple users, you can download now. Just type in KDOS 1060 uh, to download the new KDOS AM 1060 app. There are some listener rewards up and going now, so take advantage of this launch of the new KDOS AM 1060 app. Uh, as we wait for Sam Acho to apparently make his way through security here, uh, <laughs> we'll dive back into uh, what we had mentioned going to break here, the sources about how the Texans are interviewing Cliff Kingsbury for the offensive coordinator job in Houston. You know, it, it's kind of an interesting um, career arc that Cliff has been on in general uh, and how he got the head coaching job at his alma mater with Texas Tech, how he really kind of burst onto the scene there and then it kind of fizzled out. But then he had the offensive coordinator job at USC, never ended up coaching there because he then upgraded to the head coaching job here with the Arizona Cardinals. So do we know enough about him, though, in terms of being an offensive coordinator? The 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 surrounding, uh, I guess, phrase about him is an innovator and an offensive mind, but do we actually know enough about it? Oh, 
that may oh, be true. I'm not positive about that <laughs> was... as far as that goes. Uh, so uh, as far as uh, okay. the fact that uh, D'Amico Ryans, who obviously coached against Kingsbury, you know, defensive coordinator, play caller, I think that's a good sign for uh, what others think of Kingsbury around the league. So, Bob, he just stumbled in. Uh, yeah. As I was explaining to everybody listening here, it's a maze around here and trying to get through security. But we have Sam Acho. All He's right. here. He's sitting down. Uh, Sam, it's Kayla, and it's Bob with you. How are you doing today? I'm great, Kayla. How are you? Doing fantastic. I was stumbling through here. I was, like, trying to find. <laughs> it's, it's, like, in the second row, and I, I, I found 25. I found 15. <laughs> and I figured I'd be walking for another few minutes. And then all of a sudden, we I think I, I popped in an audio on accident. And I found, here, and yes. I found it. So you, you, you definitely caught my attention. But the big pink suit maybe is what drew me in. So thanks for wearing it. Thank you. Uh, You know what? Let's start here with you and your time in the NFL. Uh, You played with the Cardinals and you had two different head coaches with Ken Wisenhunt as well as Bruce Arians. So what was it like as a player adjusting to a new head coach, new philosophies, new terminology? And is this something current Cardinals players will have to go through? Wow. Um, That's a great question. So my first year in the NFL was with the Arizona Cardinals. So I came from college and I, I got drafted to the NFL. You hear all these stories about how the NFL is going to be and all these different things. But my experience was that as a rookie with Ken Wisenhunt, it was it was definitely I'm not going to say it was like the haves and have nots, but you knew, hey, you're a rookie and these are the vets. And sometimes it seemed like the coach treated the vets differently than the rookies, which is to be expected, especially if you're a vet who's playing well and succeeding. And so that was the interesting factor my first two years with Ken Wisenhunt. Now, when Bruce Arians came, we started winning. It was it was it wasn't necessarily a have or have nots. He just talked about five star players, right? If you are an all star <laughs> player, a five star player, you need to play like it. And if you play like it, we'll treat you accordingly. And so it was very it was very clear, like, hey, if you want to get your own parking spot or you want to uh, 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 have preferential treatment, you need to perform and produce on the field. So I loved that because there was no. It wasn't really a favorites because I like you or not. It's hey, you're helping you're helping us win, so we'll, we'll help you. And so I loved my time with with Bruce Arians, especially we got a chance to go to the playoffs, et cetera. And I think the Cardinals are going to have to experience that again, right? You're thinking, okay, who's going to be you know new head coach, and you want it, you want to have someone who who is just fair. There's no better there's no better way to put it. If you're not playing up to par then you're not going to be on the field. I don't care if you're the starting quarterback, the starting wide receiver, the starting linebacker. We need we need people who are going to help us win. I like it. I want to use your defensive background here. How would you suggest that the Eagles and Chiefs try to defend Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts? Obviously, those are two quarterbacks with different styles. That's a great question. So the thing about – I'll start with the Chiefs. Uh, Patrick Mahomes obviously just won MVP, broke records and passing yards, et cetera. He is so dynamic and he has so many weapons. It's almost like you don't know who to stop. So if I'm in, if I'm if I'm the Eagles, obviously Travis Kelsey's got to be the point of focus, but you can't let the other guys beat you whether it's Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, whether it's uh, whether it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You have to try and limit those guys, but also stop Travis Kelsey, which is why it's been so hard for teams to stop them. That's why they have, have the highest, you know, most points in, in the NFL this year. So uh, essentially I'm double teaming Kelsey. And then I'm telling my other guys, hey, we got to win one-on-one on all the others. And then secondly, if I'm trying to defend Jalen Hurts, we know it's about their run game. We know Jalen Hurts and this offense, they focus on the run game. And it started last season towards the end of the season where they were they, they started winning all their games by running the ball. That's their bread and butter. And so even even the, the one game that they lost is Jalen, with Jalen Hurts as a quarterback against the Washington Commanders, 
they were down in that game, but Philly was still trying to run the ball. And so you have to be able to stop the run, stop the design runs by Jalen Hurts, and then stop him from scrambling as well. That's the voice there of Sam Acho, former Arizona Cardinal, Chicago Bear, and Tampa Bay Buccaneer, and current author of Change Starts With You, which is something we will definitely get into before we get you out of here. Uh, you're, you're not that far removed from uh, playing in the NFL. How has the linebacker position, though, changed since you were competing? Yeah, it's changed a lot. So my last year was the 2019-2020 season, so I stopped right before COVID. So these last two seasons I haven't played. But even when I was – from the time I came in the league in 2011 to the time I left, so much had changed. So you started seeing linebackers become a lot smaller because and quicker because they had to cover a lot of these running backs who are super quick and elusive, right? That's what the running back position became. No longer was it the Jerome Bettises of the world. Uh, or, or, or Obviously, we still got the Derrick Henry of the world. It's singular. But it's become a lot more of like the scat back, those quick backs, those backs where offenses will get you in four wide receivers and spread everyone out, and they'll force, their, force your linebacker on the inside to cover their quick running back. And so I think about guys like Amir Abdullah, some of these quick – shifty guys like uh, Eno Benjamin would be an example so that's what that's how the linebacker position has changed you have to be able not only to cover running backs but also to cover extremely talented tight ends who know how to run routes so you have to be able to cover guys like George Kittle who can obviously block guys like Travis Kelsey so safeties or linebackers have to do that and that's been the issue with teams trying to stop some of these offenses linebacker a lot of linebackers aren't able to have that huge skill set Corey we'll stretch a little bit here Bob go ahead yeah, Sam, tell us about the book and what inspired you to do such a thing. Yeah, so the book is called Change Starts With You, Following Your Fire to Heal a Broken World. And it's about being a change agent in the world. The long and short of it is that uh, after George Floyd was killed in 2020, it was almost the seminal moment for not only me, but a lot of the world. I remember seeing sports get canceled and there were really no distractions. And we're sitting there thinking, man, what can we do? We're seeing disparities racially in society just all around the world and saying what if there's something we can do rather than just sit and just do nothing what if we do something and so me and some other athletes in the Chicagoland area one of the last teams I played for uh, got together and and just listened to kids from the community on the west side of Chicago and police officers as well and after that hour so listening session we took a tour of the west side of Chicago and yes, we saw buildings boarded up. You know, you turn on CNN or whatever news station, you see, oh, there's looting, rioting. We saw all that. But also we saw something deeper. We saw, I was with Jason Hayward, right, World Series champion. Now he's with the Dodgers. I'm looking at him as we're on this bus tour. I'm like, hey, Jason, we've been on this bus for 15 minutes. How many, how many grocery stores have you seen in this community? He said, maybe one. I said, how many liquor stores have you seen in this community? He said, over 10. Yes, like, there was chaos, but there was something deeper. There was This community had been forgotten about. So we said, what if we could help change that? What if we could actually do something? So we asked some of the kids in the community, hey, would you want a food mart in your community? And they said, yes, we would love one. We said, okay, great. Where do you get your, where do you get your food from? They said, Sam, if you want to get food, we got to go to McDonald's or the gas station. I'm like, the gas station? They're like, yeah. I said, okay, where do you get healthy food from? They said, Sam, we want something healthy. We got to drive, commute 45 minutes to the next city. So, yes, we would love some healthy food. So the long and short of it is we followed, we listened to the kids. We had them lead the way. And some of the athletes, about 17 athletes, raised half a million dollars. We bought a liquor store, turned it into a food mart. Now it's up and running, and the kids are, you know, are working at that food mart on the west side. So the whole idea is that sometimes pain that we go through, it precedes progress. So the change you want to see, yes, in the community, but also at your job, with your friends, it starts with you.
Sam, this has been quite inspirational to listen to you talk about all of this. And we can hear more from you as well. Uh, XFL commentator. Yeah, I can't wait. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so excited. XFL season starts in a week from tomorrow. And so I'll be calling one of the first games on the XFL Orlando Guardians at the Houston Roughnecks. It'll be on ESPN. But all our games are on ESPN, on ABC, on FX, on ESPN2. It, I, I'm super excited. Well, we love the energy, so do you have a quick pick for us for what's going to happen in Super Bowl 57? Man, I'm torn because I, I, everyone's picking Philly, and I'm excited about Philly, but I think people have been sleeping on Patrick Mahomes. I really do. Of course, he won MVP, et cetera. But, so I'm going to go Kansas City. I think it's going to be a close game, and I don't think you know we say, oh, it's going to be one quarterback. I think both quarterbacks are going to play outstanding. But I think, I think this that Andy Reid – knowledge of getting his players in positions to succeed will be the the determining factor once again he is sam acho and where can people find your book uh yeah. change starts with you yeah you can go to samachobook.com and you can pre-order the book right now it's available for pre-order uh right now samachobook.com and it's called change starts with you it, if you pre-order it, you get some pretty cool uh offers you'll be able to get advanced advanced chapters and you'll be able to get bonus content so yeah it, it's available march 7th but pre-order right now perfect thank you so much for popping in finding us glad <laughs> we were able to connect up with you here he is sam acho former arizona cardinal chicago bear tampa bay buccaneer and with the new book change starts with you following your fire to heal a broken world thanks so much sam Th- thank you all right Corey, we'll head on out to break here now uh it is the extra point right here on kdos am 1060 and as always online at kdos 1060.com here live super bowl 50 Radio Row. We'll have a quick segment on the other side of the break. Much more to come, including Friday Spread, brought to you by Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Of course, the weekend specials, 45-day dry-age choice tomahawk rib steak at $24.99 a pound. Vaughn Hansen says go Chiefs. Vaughn Hansen's own Philly cheesesteak brats at $5.99 a pound. Uh, Vaughn Hansen seems to be playing both sides. Go Eagles. Jumbo (laughs) fresh all-natural party-style chicken wings at $4.99 a pound. That's over at Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits and VonHansensMeets.net. It is The Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro, wrapping up hour number two here on KDOS AM 1060. point here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always you can follow us online at KDOS 1060.com. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 o'clock today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. Moving things all around but glad we were able to catch up with Sam Acho there former Arizona Cardinals linebacker in addition to his really inspiring book so go check it out at samachobook.com there. Uh, As I mentioned moving things all around let's dive a little bit into this Super Bowl matchup here uh, for Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The Chiefs, this really hasn't moved a whole lot. Chiefs have been staying here at plus one and a half. Eagles sitting at minus one and a half, over under at 50 and a half. Numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Bob, help me kind of figure this out here. Like, do we think there's a chance for this to go to 51 and a half to then be able to take the under? Because if you're looking at a score like 27-24, yeah. that's a key number, 51 versus 50. Yeah, there were there've been a couple 51 and a half, 51 and a half, but it's pretty much universal around the planet right now at 51, as far as I can tell. Certainly in Nevada, it is. 
Yeah, there were actually a couple of two twos that popped yesterday, but those seem to have gone back to one and a half now. Even the South Point went to two for a little while in the last 24 hours, but they're now back at one and a half as far as the side goes. This is another perfect example of a game where I would absolutely love to tease it, but I have nothing to tease it with. So that's a big bummer. So now I have to try to like sort my way through all of this. It is the eighth matchup of number one seeds dating back to 1990. And it is the seventh Super Bowl matchup with top scoring offenses from each conference, the Chiefs and the Eagles respectively. Uh, certainly here we know about the Eagles and their great defensive front, uh, front, and we've been talking about those matchups all week long. This is interesting, though. Eagles on defense with passes that are thrown 1-9 to nine air yards actually rank 26th in third down conversion rate. So people that are able to do some little dump-offs are having some success. True. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to throw out a couple things here. You know, for the let's start with the Kansas City side. When they've been in shotgun, uh, which has been more since the Patrick Mahomes injury, their run game has not been nearly as good. So that's something to pay attention to. I think on Sunday early in the game, we might get an idea of what they think of Mahomes' ankle situation just by whether they you know under center or shotgun, and also Isaiah Pacheco has the most yards from scrimmage, rushing, and receiving for the Chiefs in the postseason. They're going to have to change their pass blocking, though. It obviously can't be what San Francisco tried. They're going to have to, you know, with the offensive tackles against the pass rushers from Philadelphia, they're going to have to use tight ends and running backs to help chip block with the tight end, especially against Hassan Reddick. As far as the Chiefs' defense, they allowed nine touchdowns to tight ends this year, by the way, and they've been really bad in the red zone. Uh, so, you know, that might be a precursor when we get to Ian Wharton in the next hour. Uh, so I think that there's definitely an, itch- an issue there for the Chiefs. It has been a season-long issue. And uh, we'll see how much Spags blitzes in this game because he really didn't have to in the last game because obviously the Bengals were so shorthanded in the offensive line. You know what's also interesting here about sticking with the defensive side of the ball, but for the Eagles, the Eagles have 70 sacks this season, and they sack the quarterback at a 29 point, I'm sorry, a 27.9% rate when the quarterback holds the ball for three or more seconds. So that's kind of working in unison of the front and the secondary uh, for opposing offenses to not have success interesting here based upon you know the connection that Patrick Mahomes does have with Travis Kelsey and how quickly he can maybe get the ball out of his hands to him or utilize the running backs out in pass patterns and then curious how that's going to work with the receivers and just how um, I guess inconsistent they've been. Yeah, also just to kind of piggyback on that, uh, the Eagles allowed the fewest you know passing yards per game and the lowest yards per attempt. Uh, and that has, I think, a lot to do with the fact that you know, opposing quarterbacks and offenses haven't had much time to, they haven't had enough time to throw the ball down the field, is because the, uh, the the pass rush has been so dominant. And then going back to the Chiefs on defense here, and the the fact that. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum had said that Jalen Hurts has only thrown 22 passes in the second half in which they were trailing. So that's going to be a big factor for the Chiefs. Can the Chiefs force the Eagles into a down and distance that makes Hurts throw the ball, uh, you know, in mid to long third downs, which then also gets them 
out of their rhythm and out of what they want to do to take the air out of you in the second half. Obviously, the Eagles haven't chased points much this year. They pass to get the lead, and then they run to protect the lead. Uh, they have the, you know, they, they run the ball more in the fourth quarter than anybody in the league because they've had the lead more than anybody in the league. Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The $100 gift certificate is still on the line. Not quite yet, but I have a feeling when it's going to come up. The 45-day dry-aged choice tomahawk rib steak at $24.99 a pound. Von Hansen's own Philly cheesesteak brats at $5.99 a pound. Jumbo fresh all-natural party-style chicken wings at $4.99 a pound. They're in Chandler off of Alma School Road. Visit them on the website vonhansensmeats.net. That does it for hour number two. Hour number three is coming up on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point.